Hey guys, welcome back to Starving Artist Phoenix. I'm Tony Machete. Uh, got kind of a special bonus episode for you today. Uh, so we got uh, Starving Artists Abroad, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know, we'll think of something good. Um, but basically, I just had the opportunity to interview a hypnotherapist who uh, doesn't actually live around town. I actually met him through a really cool app, Simbi, uh, which uh, you probably heard me or my wife talk about on Facebook, if you know us personally. Um, but basically, yeah, he was a really cool guy and I uh, got a chance to interview him a little bit. And I definitely thought it was worth putting on the podcast, you know, because anytime you meet somebody interesting, I feel like you guys might think they're interesting too. So really interesting guy, uh, really kind of cool background, cool story. Uh, he, uh, he had some interesting difficulties in his life that he overcame and really took a, a curve in his life that he didn't expect and who can't relate to that. Uh, so, let me know what you think of uh, my interview with hypnotherapist Melvin Marsh. You cannot win this battle, my friend. This <laughs> is not gonna happen. Well, okay, so let's uh, let's just jump right into your professional background. So, uh, one thing that caught my eye when I was reading your biography is that you were already toying around with hypnosis uh, when you were younger. So, how, like, mm -hmm. how was your first exposure to it? How did you first decide to dabble? Um, when, when I was when I was dabbling, well, I I first got exposed to biofeedback. And, and I just happened to read it in, you know, these occult magazines and, and, and stuff, these books. And, you know, I, I knew of hypnosis from movies. Like, I really liked The Jungle Book, and I loved Ka. Oh, the... <laughs> okay. And I, I was like, at first time I talked to my hypnotherapist, I was like, just don't make your eyes do this. I think we're going to be fine. <laughs> and I watched another movie that I really loved, Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan, you know, okay, yeah, all sure. Meeting at Midnight. And there's an evil hypnotist in there. It didn't dawn on me that this was a thing, that this was like a real thing. Um, but I did get exposed to biofeedback when I was a youngin. So what separates biofeedback from traditional hypnosis? Well, biofeedback, you're, you as the person, you're just literally learning how to control, you know, like your blood pressure or whatnot. You know, you don't have that. I mean, it is... A, a hypnotist can can learn learn biofeedback. That's not a problem. It is usually a form of self hypnosis. You don't know that. You don't really notice that when you're doing it. Your job is to sit there and just play a game with yourself, which really sounds really bad when you're playing with yourself. But you know, you're, <laughs> that's what you're doing, and you know, you're playing with this thing. You know, trying to get your heart rate to go up, yay, or heart rate to go down, yay. So. It's one of it's one of those things. So, is it the same kind of principle that you use later on when you were doing like pain management? Like, I noticed you you basically put yourself under for your own root canals for childbirth, even. Yep, um, that helped. Interesting. Because you know you do get really good control over things like your you know body, your nerves. You know that's something that you that you learn. 
And when, you know, I, I, I learned, look, labor is really no big deal. Just chill. You'll be fine. I was at home. I didn't, I see those eyes. I was at home. <laughs> I already knew to not really worry. I literally did statistics homework for like six and a half hours during labor. Um, didn't actually tell my mother or tell, tell my grandmother who was there. My mother wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my husband, I didn't tell them because I didn't want to bother them until he got dressed to go to, go to work. And I said, where are you going? And he's, and he's like, to work. I said, I thought you wanted to be present when your daughter was born. Oh, my goodness. That's how I, this is how I announced that to him. My grandmother's eyes got, and I handed her handed up the thing where, where I've been keeping track of the contractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm that, I'm that guy. I like being a, <laughs> a surprise. You've got to have a little moment with it. Yeah, I, 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 that was fun. My grandmother, my grandmother to this day does not believe I went into labor at one o'clock. She will swear I went into labor at like seven. <laughs> I was literally sitting next to her doing statistics homework because I'm crazy apparently. But you know, I but I went through and I was like completely relaxed. Okay, the only real issue I had was I did do a root canal and I used the principle of biofeedback. So. I, you know, when they go after my, my arm for a needle, I basically tone all the pain receptors down. Interesting. And you can just kind of uh, single that out like that. Yeah, it's like, okay, this is where they're going. I was like, I might as well shut down from, from the arm, from, from the shoulder down. And I, and, I, and I can do that. So it makes it much easier on the, on the nurses that they're trying to stick me. So when they were doing the... When they were doing the root canal, this guy decided he didn't—he did not want to give me pain medication, you know, to numb my mouth. That should have been my first clue that this guy was on crack. <laughs> so I'm starting to freak out, and I'm trying to like, ch- you know, go through my mouth, trying to find out which nerve goes to the spot where he's going to be working on. And I'm like, nope, that didn't do it. Nope, that didn't do it. That one, wait, bingo, got it. And that then I actually I localized the the numbness. Wow. And, <laughs> so just a race against time as he was doing it. It, it really was, because that was that was a that was a kind of a scary situation, <laughs> you know. And he didn't give me any pain medications afterwards, so that was equally as fun. Uh, now the pain management thing did get back to me once in a very negative way. My gallbladder exploded. Oh my gosh! It, it, it didn't go bad. It exploded. I was walking around for three weeks with apparently no gallbladder, but being in in pain. Sure. Some of it. You, I should have been dead. Apparently, according to the ER. <laughs> apparently, me having a, having you know a hypnosis background. Yeah. I should not have been walking, <laughs> much less driving myself to the ER to say, can you finally figure out what's wrong here? Wow. Yeah. I was misdiagnosed by several doctors simply because, well, you'd be ill if it was your gallbladder, you'd have more problems. Wow. So just because you had more self-control than you should have had, they <laughs> didn't even think to check. Interesting. That's the story of my life. <laughs> So, okay, so uh, you, you've already started kind of developing those skills on your own. You've started to 
kind of use them in practice. Uh, when did you start to try hypnotherapy professionally? That's actually pretty recent. Because um, somebody had told me about almost two years ago that I should go into hypnotherapy to deal with my anxiety. I wasn't keen on this idea because I didn't know enough about it. When I went on a leave of absence from medical school, I pursued learning more about it. Ended up getting my own hypnotherapist who started doing, who started working just absolute wonders. It was awesome. And they, um, you know, eventually I, you know, started doing more and more education. My, my therapist ordered my husband. He ordered my husband to pay for Hypnosis Motivation Institute's advanced training. Okay. <laughs> I looked at my, my therapist. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because <laughs> we hadn't talked about this before. I was like, that would be nice to have, but I wasn't expecting it. So they just saw the potential in you, basically, and just went with that. They said, they said you really like this, and you need a plan B in case medical school doesn't work out. Interesting. And my hypnotherapist thought, you know, it was like he, he was willing to, to, to have that discussion too, because he's because he's like, you know, he he loves me because he and I both have the same, the you know the same uh, you know style as far as hypnosis goes. You know, he's an Ericksonian, and Ericksonian, you know, the Ericksonian modality is one of my favorites. So you, we could we could at least discuss that. Yeah, so can, can you elaborate on that a little bit for, for potential uh, newcomers to the field? The newcomers to the field for what's Ericksonian? Ericksonian, yeah. Okay, well, er, Dr. Erickson, um, he, he actually passed away in, what, 1980, but he is actually one of the most famous hypnotherapists in the, uh, tw of the 20th century. He was actually a, an MD. He had a degree. Uh, he was a psychiatrist. And he um, just really, really appreciated self-hypnosis because he'd been, he'd been doing that since he was young. He actually took, uh, he, he had polio. This was back way before the viruses or anything else, the vaccines. He had polio. Uh, he was told that, you know, he might not, you know, live to see another day at one point. And... Not only did he live to, live to see another day, you know he was he was completely paralyzed except for I think I think he could move his eyes. And he had to learn how to how to move again. So he watched his I think it was his sister or something learn to walk, and he relearned how to walk and function, and it's, it's basically you know amazing what he did. Man must have been the most observant man on the face of the planet. But one of the things he did with hypnotherapy, as opposed to some of the stage hypnotists, some of the stage hypnotists would say, "Hey, you can't be hypnotized," because they, they, you know, most most people are, are not going to take a really direct suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, Erickson was very, very indirect. He was incredibly permissive. Um, he was just. You know, basically everything the stage people were not. And he found out that basically everyone can go into trance. Uh, that trance was a very natural occurrence. And he was able to do, make changes 
in, in, in his patients really quickly. And nobody's really sure, how, you know, how he was doing this. But he basically got the, the patients, or whatever you would like to say, he, they came up with a, their own resources just by listening to him talk, tell a story. So it's all about kind of subver subverting that natural wall that people put up. They're like, I'm not yeah. going to be hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you if you wanted to fight him, he was he would just embrace that that resistance and okay, and he'd still get you. He'd huh. still get you at the end. You know. So you know that's kind. Of, he's kind of like my my a little bit of a hero because he's that, that's pretty amazing to do, and he has got a huge following. You know, you could always tell the. The Ericksonians, because, you know, first of all, a lot of them have an obsession with the color purple, like <laughs> me. Um, actually, I had purple, a purple obsession way before he did, before I knew about him. You know, but, the, you know, we actually, there's actually a color, Ericksonian purple, because he wore <laughs> purple all the time. Wow. Um, and he has a massive following. You know, some people like, you know, Dave Elman which is more like straight and stage. I don't care if he says he's a hypnotherapist. He's not doing that much therapy. <laughs> no, give, give me an Ericksonian anytime. They're, they're hilarious. No, going off that too, and you brought up something that I wanted to ask about as it is. So you, you mentioned specifically that like he was an MD, and you, know, you say that in a tone that I feel like you, know, you expect shock and surprise when you know, people hear that. And just like you yourself, like you were a medical student before transitioning into hypnotherapy. Do you feel like there's kind of a stigma with alternative health, you know, things like this? Well, there's a huge stigma with yeah. alternative health. People will sit there and, uh, for the most part, you know, you know, first of all, they'll argue with you over what you do, which is always <laughs> hilarious. Because I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pr pretty sure I know what I'm what I do because I was trained for it. <laughs> you know, and I'm, you know, no, I'm not going to sit there and do this, that, or the other. You know, I, you know, what you're watching in the movies. I know this is difficult to imagine, but it's fake. <laughs> I mean, did you know that movies are fake? I've heard rumors, you know, but okay. I don't know. They they're real people, so who knows? I I know, <laughs> but I mean, everybody's absolutely paranoid. And every time a heart a movie with a hypnotist comes out, all hell breaks loose. Like. You know, when Get Out came out, like, Get Out came out, haha. Um, you know, and I say, oh, I'm a hypnotherapist. Everybody, like, froze and just stared at me as though I had grown a second head. <laughs> and and then, I was, then they're like, oh, great, did you see Get Out? You know, I was like, I've heard of Get Out. I don't need to watch Get Out. You know, I'm not doing anything dangerous to you. The odds of me taking your mind and transporting it and putting it in a different body is pretty low. I feel like if that were something that some that just any hypnotherapist off the street could do, that'd be happening every single day. This is Why true. I was, I was like, I can numb your pain before surgery. Yeah, I have that that certification. I cannot move your mind. <laughs> if I could move somebody's mind, I would not be in the body. Of a five foot three gay transsexual Orthodox Jew. <laughs> that's that's fair to say. 
I would smaller. I'd be smaller. Because <laughs> trying to find clothes that fit me are ridiculous. Well, okay. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> well, so I mean, that's. Uh, do you feel like that kind of plays into your your physical? Um, excuse me, your physical, your professional persona at all? Just the idea that you had to deal with. It sounds like you know some stigmas in the past too from being a gay transvestite. Excuse me, transgender. I I know I'm awful. I'm gonna cut that out in post. But (laughs) okay, transgender Orthodox Jew. Um, The fact is, is that people hate me regardless of anything. At a certain point, me you know me fitting into the medical, you know, school. They didn't like. They hated me because I was a gay transsexual Orthodox Jew, and I live in the South. There was no way that I was going to actually be allowed to graduate. Hmm. Period. You know, and they did it because it made them look good, and then I made damn well sure that I was not going to be allowed to uh, continue. So, at this point, what else, you know, okay, you expect a a hypnotherapist to be kind of odd. (laughs) So, fine, I'm a gay, transsexual, orthodox Jew. Okay. <laughs> Take it as what a package, else? right? And it was like, and now, I, I mean, I'm in a, I live in a really goofy house, you know, so that, that works out, and I'm going to have a goofy job. And I would almost say that, I mean, at least from an outsider's perspective, that's something that could potentially just put a client at ease a little more, just the idea of, like, yeah, you're just this whole kind of interesting character. There's so many different layers to you. I feel like that's it makes you more of a developed kind of uh, person in their life. Uh, might set me at ease. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that's how it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it always does come out like that. <laughs> but at least I can say, you know, yeah, I can work with that. Yeah, I can work with that. Oh, if you're looking for somebody who's LGBT friendly, yeah, not a problem. You know. <laughs> Oh, you need somebody who who's used to being a, a, a religious, you know, minority? Mm-hmm. Well, come on down. <laughs> I thought you can blame me for random things. I don't care. Provided you're paying me my money, I don't care. You can spend the entire $150 per hour blaming at me for being a Jew. I don't care because I'm getting 150 bucks. <laughs> you know, I can hypnotize you into making... Make, into getting your relaxation uh, you know increased but yeah provided you're not actively threatening me I don't care besides I'm an EMT I can protect myself if necessary excellent so yeah you you seem to have quite a a few different kind of credentials behind you you've you've collected in the past you could say that and I'm I still want to collect even more in the future well I noticed that your your undergraduate was uh, biological science right and then your uh Okay. It was anthropology and human biology, anthropology. and I had a second major in medieval Renaissance studies, because why not? I was also, <laughs> I'm a Rennie, so yeah, it happens. have a minor in theater, a minor in history, because that came with the, uh, the other one. Sure. Um, and I almost finished minors in three other fields. Oh my gosh. Until Emory University is like, dude, you've got to leave, man. <laughs> you've just got to leave. Uh, then my master's is in space studies, which is like astronomy, but without the math. Right, yeah, I was going to say, you, you took all those different fields and you thought, I'm going to do something different. <laughs> and you got a graduate degree in, uh, it was aeronautical psych, uh, psychology, I apologize. Yeah, it's 
it was space studies. I, had, I focused in aerospace psychology aerospace, and aerospace excuse medicine. Me. So where did that interest come from? And how do you feel like that kind of adheres to your current life? Well, I'll tell you that I was born with a microscope in one hand and a telescope in the other, which made for a very difficult birth for my mother. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I was exposed to science as an, as an early age, especially astronomy. You know, one of my earliest vacations that I remember was I was, I was in a stroller, okay, a stroller, and I went to the Marshall Space Flight Center. And I remember, and I remember it very, very clearly, because I was already very, you know, into space as a as a three year old, you know, because <laughs> it's me. And um, so the the astron- astronomy thing was always, you know, an interest of mine. You know, sometimes I wanted to be a rocket scientist. I wanted to be an astronaut at one point. Um, I wanted to be an astrophysicist, you know, because I wanted to study black holes, but. It kept being, nobody would ever let me, put me in the right position where I actually could go and take that major. Finally, with space studies, which honestly, I, I looked at it and I, and I, I, accidentally, I accidentally mistyped space.com as space.edu. Go to space.edu and you're going to have University of North Dakota space studies. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> And so when I was applying to graduate school, my my uh, advisor wanted me to go and get a PhD in anthropology because I really really liked it, and I, and I, I wanted to always be prepared in case I didn't get in. And he wouldn't write me for a master's in anthro. He's like, "You're too good for that." And I said, "What? Can I apply for a master's in something else entirely?" And he's like, "Well, what?" I said, "Well." There's always space studies. And he was like, what? And I told, I showed him the thing, and he just started laughing. And he's like, sure, I'll write you a letter of recommendation for this, for this program. But if you, go, if you go get into a PhD program, you're going to that program. I said, of course. I just want to have a backup plan. And I didn't get into those PhD programs, so I went to, to get a master's in space studies where I continued working on uh, basically psychological stress. When I was in undergrad, I did a lot of stress work, biocultural stress work, really. And there it was also a a stress situation. My thesis was identification of psychological stressors, you know, amongst astronauts and cosmonauts. So, you know, stress, more stress, stress everywhere. And now as a hypnotherapist, I can finally learn how to get rid of stress. Do you feel like that that helps you in your current profession, just being able to spend so much time analyzing the sources of stress and all the different stresses and all their forms? Well, I, I think it's, I, th- I think all this discussion about, about all, all my undergraduate degrees basically allowed me to be able to talk about almost anything to almost any person, which helps relieve their stress and builds rapport. Plus, I also did get publications out about stress, and if anybody can say that they are actually a stress expert, it would be me, the undergraduate work that was in stress, the graduate work that was in stress, my publications on stress, and now I'm a hypnotherapist who now can help you get rid of it. <laughs> so, I'm, pre- I'm prepared for anything. Would you say that's kind of a specialty that you have with uh, your your current profession is focusing on stress-related issues, stress-related anxiety? 
that's that's uh, that's one of them. One of my uh, one of my things is basically anxiety and stress. That's one of my things. It's very easy to to do. It's one of my favorite um, specialties, simply because when I'm doing the induction for them, they I I, I get to do my favorite induction. Well, I always do my favorite induction for first timers. This time I get to really get into it and really enjoy it. And it's it helps, but it's a progressive relaxation. Go up, and you know, I just watch all the stress melt from their bodies. And I have never seen such happy people as after you do somebody with high anxiety or stress problem and give them relaxation. They look like they want to propose marriage. <laughs> and I was like, yep, you're good. You can stay in that recliner a little bit longer. I'm not kicking you out. So is it is it difficult then to have to change up the medium I guess in which you you present these like these type of sessions like you you come to somebody and you can actually watch them face to face have the stress messed off but you also mentioned that you can do sessions over Skype mm-hmm. is that any different? It's not as much as you would think. Now the fact is is that right now you and I are talking on Skype. I can see you. You can see me. Hi. <laughs> Um, so basically what would happen if we, if you and I were to do a session, I would say, can you get yourself comfortable? And you'd speak, you'd possibly be sitting there and I'd be sitting there watching you from like your chest up, you know, and basically try to monitor your trance state over Skype. I'm not a big fan of using the phone unless I really, really know the person Mm. because, or, or I've worked with them in the past because I can't see them. Unless indicators you're getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my goal is to be able to see you, especially if I'm doing something like, for example, a past life regression. You know, in which case, I want to see any any emotion that comes up to your face, because I, I need to know if you're stressing out or not. If you're stressing out and you're experiencing a negative, negative you know, feeling, I want you out of that scene. Got it. Interesting. Now the anxiety people I can usually get get even if they're over the phone just because, you know, it's the same thing. They just relax. I just do it like a like forty minute progressive relaxation on them. They're basically you know, you know melted butter by the time I'm done with them. <laughs> so they can't even hold the phone. You know, it's all of a sudden. Hi, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Hello. Okay, fine. I'm gonna hang up the phone with you. Bing. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so, well, okay, we're, we're going for a little bit. I'm gonna, there's a couple of things I know I want to ask. I want to when we kind of wrap up. Uh, for for one thing, what is what is one thing you would want uh, somebody who is experiencing hypnotherapy for the first time to keep in mind? What would you want to tell them before their first session? I would say. Um, First of all, make sure you make sure you trust your therapist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second of all, if this is a perfectly natural state, there really isn't anything to be to be terrified of. Uh, I'm, and I would also be hoping that they really, really vetted their hypnotherapist. You really want a hypnotherapist who has training, and I'm not talking oh a weekend's training. There are, there are trainings out there that will be a week or, or, you know, weekend. And then they come out and say, I'm a hypnotherapist. No, you're not. 
you are a person who has gotten probably, you know, 10 to 20 hours, maybe, in therapy as, as, a, as a hypnotist. You can't learn that much. I went through 300 lecture hours of hypnotherapy training and then did a 200-hour clinical internship. That is 500 hours. That's a lot of hours. (laughs) Okay. And people don't really understand that, you know, they think all hypnotherapists are, you know, kind of created equal. No, 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 they're not. Um, A lot of places will go and they'll get these certifications where they literally, you just have to literally fill out a form and they'll certify you. There's no tests. There's no um, proof that you actually are capable. There was this one guy who contacted a whole bunch of um, certifying agencies uh, for hypnotherapy and filled all of them out as his dog. Oh, my gosh. Just to prove that he could just do it. Yeah, just to do it. And most of them accepted him. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you know? I mean, how how does somebody who uh, isn't really experienced at all in, in knowing what's... What's a good school? What's a bad school? Like, how do they, how do they vet somebody? Well, there is actually only one accredited college of hypnotherapy in the United States. Interesting. So that's Hypnosis Motivation Institute, off in California. So you know, if that if that comes up, you know they've gotten they've gotten an education. Okay. Um, there is another school that has like this weird concentration in hypnotherapy, but I have met those people and they're not capable of hypnotizing anybody they uh, somebody contacted me to try to work with me um and we were going to split split my business apart and sort of and he Mm -hmm. and i'd I'd be mentoring no this woman did not or is just not capable of doing anything so really the safest thing to do is just go to melvin marsh yeah basically (laughs) it it really is and you know if you're if you know HMI is a great, great school. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer more Ericksonian work, but you know, I take what I can get. Another good place to learn, but it's only open to p- people who are uh, a master's or PhD, is the Ericksonian Foundation. Now they are the top place here. Mm-hmm. They, it's by far. It's not you know. There's no comparison. So. That's a good place to get trained as well. And I look forward to going back to school, getting another graduate degree. And then I'm going to go to that one too. So I will really have all my bases covered. Excellent. And you've already touched on it a little bit, but what what would you say separates you from other people in your field? Not, I mean, beyond just a, a credential level. Well, you know, outside of that, let's see. I am, as far as I can tell, I am... One of the only transsexuals who are in this field. Uh, there's there's allegedly one other that taught a class at HMI, but there it, and it looks like they're trans, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and if so, it's 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 a uh, you know male to female as opposed to my direction. Mm-hmm. 
which you know I am one of the people who do I do work with the LGBT community because they they do have a few additional issues sure. that when you're talking to somebody in hypnosis, you know, like let's just say you're doing inner child work. Well, you have to be very very you know careful about what you're saying to somebody who's who's transgender, for example, doing inner child work. You have to be very very sensitive. You don't know if you're, if this kid is you know coming out as a boy or a girl at that time. They might not show the gender at all. So it's just you know eggshells sometimes. Gotcha. That's now in my case I get in my case I can I can ask very directly because I'm I'm trans myself, and it's you know talking to me. You know the the trans community will get together and you can tell members of the community. Because we introduce ourselves a certain way. I'm not telling you because then you'll try to get in and become a part of us. But we're very, um, you know, we're, we're, we're easy to tell. You know, and it'll happen immediately. And so if they come to me and they, and they, and we start that, 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 mm-hmm. you know, that greeting. That password kind of <laughs> Yeah, effectively, it's this password, and you better have an answer. Um, you know, I'm already going to get into better rapport with them. And we're going to be able to discuss in private some of the stuff that's that's going on. And I, it makes me be able to help them better. Awesome. Well, I, I can definitely see it already. You're, you're somebody who seems like they are very quick to put somebody in a comfortable position. And I think that uh, I... Would love to set my my wife up with you on a couple more sessions. I know you talked to her once, I believe, before, but uh, anything that can do to help out with anxiety and sounds like you're the person to go to. Oh, it's like, wait, are you Taylor? Or is, is oh, Taylor that has wife? not come up. Yeah, Taylor's my wife. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. It came up Taylor. I was like, I don't. Taylor was the other person. Was and then I looked. I was like, are these people? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mentioned who I was talking to, and she said, "You're talking to Melvin? Oh my gosh!" <laughs> I hope she's doing doing better. Yeah, she's a peach. <laughs> uh, well, um, is there any other final thoughts that you want to say for for now for this one? I mean, I'm good. You, you know, if anybody who ever wants to contact me, afterhourshypnotherapy.com. Afterhourshypnotherapy.com and afterhourshypnotherapy at gmail.com as well, right? Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Melvin. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, I look forward to speaking again soon. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> by, by the way, you, me, you being in Phoenix, yeah. one of the Ericksonian, the Ericksonian Foundation is based out of Phoenix. Really? That's yes. Milton Erickson lived in Phoenix. I'll have to look that up then. That's cool. Yeah, so you can actually go. go I might actually at some point see you in person because I want my training. <laughs> well, uh, drop me a line. We'll go get coffee. Absolutely, and then I'll try to hypnotize you. <laughs> Maybe before the coffee, then. Okay. All right. Have, I'll take care. Have fun. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, show your support by checking us out on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Play. And if you or someone you know is an artist in the Phoenix area who'd be interested in coming on the podcast, or if you just want to tell us how great we are, write us at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com. Again, that's starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.